What's up, stoners? Welcome back to another episode of That Budtender Podcast. I'm your host, Bianca. I am coming to you on April 2nd. This is the official countdown to 420. We are 18 days away. People are getting vaccinated. I don't know what that means, but maybe that means we're going to have a relatively normal 420 this year. This episode, this is a really good one. I am so excited, of course. I sit down with the founder and CEO of Kush Queen, Olivia Alexander, for an epic conversation. First and foremost, I want to thank Olivia for being so candid with me. It's definitely an episode that might ruffle some feathers, but I think it's really important to listen to this conversation in its entirety. Because what's really trying to be said or encouraged is that we as cannabis consumers demand more from cannabis companies, especially the ones that are spearheaded by celebrities. Realistically, these people already have money. There's no real need for Seth Rogen to have his own cannabis company other than a self-serving reason, which I get. I mean, shit, I understand. I'm not... I'm not hating on wanting to create something for yourself, but when you really think about it, it's like, wow, how cool would it have been if he'd invested his resources into minority and women-owned cannabis companies, LGBTQIA plus cannabis companies, people who have actually paved the way for legal cannabis, and the ones who could really use the support the ones who are trying to make a difference in the community and making cannabis more accessible. So so it's just, it's food for thought. It's, again, if you're a diehard Seth Rogen fan, maybe not your cup of tea, but we're just trying to open a dialogue about asking more from these celebrities and rich people that are coming into cannabis and just want to profit off of it and don't give a fuck about its history and about the many lives that it's affected and about the many lives that it it helps. We have people like Jay-Z trying to sell a $50 gram. That's outrageous. There's absolutely no fucking weed that good. And if there is, then prove me wrong and send me some. (laughs) Because, I mean, whatever. Anyway, this episode is incredible. Just a little backstory. Olivia was a bud tender at the Green Easy. That's where she got her start as well. She really found success on social media platforms like Instagram, YouTube. I mean, since 2014, 2015. At one point, I know Olivia had well over a quarter of a million followers on her IG, her personal one, and then nearly a million followers on her cannabis photography account, which all got taken away from her overnight and never given back. Olivia's story is amazing. Again, I'm just, I'm so grateful to her for always being so generous with her time and so supportive of my work. I really hope you guys enjoy the episode. Enjoy your day and keep getting high, my babies. I told myself I could smoke this blunt You 
had a podcast. Is this a happy return? Is this a platform that you enjoy? Yeah, I love podcasts. I love listening to them. I loved when we made ours, me and Wolfie. I think that it's a really fun medium. And I really do think like when it comes to making content, that the medium, it really does affect like what the content is, how it is, how the conversation is. Like, I don't know if people really understand that about making content. So that's why I love it. And I'm an orator. I love to talk, you know? <laughs> I love it. Well, I'm honored to have basically the return of Kush Queen to this medium on this show. Kind of feel a little like Oprah sitting with Meghan Markle, not gonna lie. <laughs> I'm like, this is gonna be good. <laughs> but just so we can give a background to our listeners, um, I do wanna get into your journey with cannabis because it's you come so far. So why don't we start with your initial perception of the plant and then your actual first experience with it well i actually had a very stigmatized view of cannabis when i was in third grade my best friend's brother was murdered buying weed in our town oh my god yeah for real i had a nervous breakdown because of that and because i was simultaneously obsessed with the heaven's gate cult well, um i'm sorry yeah what is that it was this crazy cult and they all drank the Kool-Aid and like killed themselves and they were all computer programmers. And my dad was a computer programmer and then I was just like fucking crazy and I just like mess. But that really affected me and the way that I thought about weed because like my mom said like this is why he died. And then I moved to LA. I was like in a recording studio when I was like 14 and my brother and my mom can validate this. Somebody was smoking weed around us. I cried. I was like, ah. and then when I was like 18, I was going to do a group project with these two guys from college, like first week of college is probably 18 for only a few months, maybe like three months. Mm -hmm. And they pulled out this giant bong. And I guess the group project was me smoking weed for the first time. <laughs> And I felt fucking amazing and I slept really well and I had had nothing but problems, you know, emotional problems, insomnia. I at that point was like literally years into like self-harm. I was in a really, really dark headspace most of my life and always successful, always doing shit, you know, but that doesn't mean you're you're well. You can be doing all kinds of things, but you can be really fucked up. And when I smoked, I just, I found my thing. It was like instantaneously. It was like, you know, you what's that noise like? Ah, like yeah. that. And I realized in an instant, it was all a lie. I realized it was all propaganda. And then like a few months later, maybe six months later, seven, I needed a job. And a guy that I was dating, he heard of knew some people opening up a dispensary. And I was like, oh my God. You know, and that guy, when I dated him, he was really the person that showed me that you could use cannabis as a medicine because he had Crohn's and that you could use it every single day. So, I mean, I just like started using it and then I was like, oh, it's medicine, you know? Oh, you can like hit a bong and go to school and be successful and it didn't affect anything. And I, I, I did have, you know, a lot more to learn but then I started, you know, bud tending at this dispensary and like 
every single person who came in wasn't a stoner. Every single person had like a different reason for being there. It was like so broad from sleep to AIDS to cancer to moms to corporate attorneys to celebrities. It was just like everybody. I was literally like, does everyone smoke <laughs> weed? And the answer is yes. And I mean, it may be because this was LA, but like, it was just, it blew my mind that everyone wasn't a stoner with dreads, right. you know, walking in a cloud of smoke. And I just knew from that moment that like, this was gonna be for me. I could never, ever, ever have imagined this, my life, legalization, hemp CBD blowing up and being this little mainstream trend buzzword. I couldn't have imagined any of it, but I knew that the plant would change the world. And I knew that the war on drugs was disgusting. I knew that too, just because I knew like a lot of people who went to jail. I knew people who like my cousin who were arrested, you know, it really just made me realize so much. And then having grown up in Louisiana in a really small town, I just knew. I just knew that it was all bullshit. I knew from like 18 years old that if you were white, you got away with it. Mm -hmm. If you were black or brown, they put you in jail for it. Mm -hmm. It was all like yeah. right there. Um, and then I was like homeschooled in high school. So I also like went to college and was around like normal people for the first time. And I was like, wow, these people don't give a shit about anything. They didn't care. Yeah. Like they're so apathetic. And like, I was like writing for the paper and like always just like really overachieving. Like being an overachiever is definitely a part of my earth identity, oh. if you will. And I was always very good at it. You know, like I'm very disciplined and I'm very good at working. And so, you know, I'm also a hustler. And it's just like if you work at a dispensary, you're just going to automatically start selling weed to people. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone wants you to just buy them weed and bring it to them. Like no one in those days wanted to go to a dispensary and I worked at one. So I just like instantaneously. And my dad, like my brother went to him and was like, oh, I found this in Olivia's car. And my dad's like, I start crying because I think he's going to be mad. And then he's like, where did you get this? This is so good. And my dad like came out to me that he loved cannabis and he'd been using it since he was a teenager. And basically most of my childhood, my parents were like smoking weed in our house. I mean, now that I look back, I'm like, oh, that's what that smell was. Yeah. You know, like you just don't know what it is. But mm -hmm. you know that like sometimes your parents bedroom smells like that and they have the door locked. But sex could have smelled like that. I didn't know, you know? I was a little innocent. I was a sweet little Southern Olivia. Like, I didn't know shit. And if my mom would have said, like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, whatever it is, I would have been like, okay, sure. But, yeah, so my parents were really supportive. And I, back then, I really wanted to – I had this – edibles company i was like i'm gonna start it's gonna be called sky high treats and my i made my mom like make weed butter in the kitchen and make uh jolly rancher candies it was just like what but um then i just sold weed and i was still in the entertainment industry acting and um from that moment on cannabis was just part of my identity mm -hmm. and then like how i made cash on the side it wasn't until i started crystal cold that it really came back into my life in a different way. 
And that is really also what set everything in motion because cannabis was such a huge part of my life. I never thought not to post any of the things I was posting. It never occurred to on my in my own mind for one second that, you know, this could ruin my life until someone said that to me, you know, like, oh, my God, if you post yourself smoking weed, like it will ruin your life, like mm. on the Internet, it's there forever. And I'm like, it's fine. I'll be OK. So a couple of things. I remember Crystal cult because we still carried them when I started working at the Green Easy. So just to tie it all together for the listeners who maybe have been listening to a few episodes. You didn't say the name. You didn't say the name, but it's it's okay because they know Mike, they know Danny, they know all these people that were there at the Green Easy when you started and when you were working there. And so it's just funny how small of a community the cannabis industry really is and can be in our case at least that I feel the same way I feel so blessed that I went through that space and I learned so much it's just such a great foundation so it's just cool to hear because you've done so much and we'll get into all of that so for those who are aspiring bud tenders or who are bud tenders it's like you're so lucky that you're getting this hands-on experience and then this is just the start baby like this is just the first step for you you know so yeah I'm curious uh what you remember too of your bud tending days well it's funny because like duh I left that part out but yeah Danny and Mike and the green easy like that is where it all started for me and that's where I really feel like I learned so much you know I think that being a bud tender is actually like the best experience I ever got in cannabis because you know especially back then when you got to like pull out these they had these big glass square jars you had to pull the top off and you know like give people the strains and let them smell it and I love to sell like we should we should Mike 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 would give me my credit like I was selling in there you know like I was trying to get those sales and I mean we sold like I think they had a $90 eighth of Skywalker it was edibles and it was like baked goldfish, brownies, maybe some lollipops that were all like hand, like locally made. Like yeah. it was not, it was just so great. And then they had these like little silver or not silver, clear containers and they, we sold like hash. And then that was like the beginning of earwax. Oh my God, wait. And it had to be unpurged. <laughs> like, I don't know, maybe they were purging it back then, but it was old school oh and then I remember happy would update the weed tracker which would become weed maps oh my god a relic is that is that a blast from the past wow green crack (laughs) classic this is like a million light years into the future you know (laughs) even though like I was going like I stopped work I mean I remember they got robbed like when I that one that was one of the things that spooked me a little bit Definitely. And I got like really, I got really obsessed with the relationship I was in and like didn't have a job and stuff. So it was like, you know, I, that's why I stopped working there. But I love the experience, like knowing Danny and Mike and then also like seeing them still be around, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's important. And it also just is like added this like this incredible start to my story in cannabis and I think that it's just 
it's really truly like I don't know some of the best moments I mean we used to like smoke a fat blunt in Happy's car before he worked for the day like it was just such a I mean there was no windows like it was just such a different time and those people were really doing it like people have no idea how dangerous it really was then like they they were robbed a lot like it was crazy and the fact that then they made it into the compliant market too is just it's wild it's amazing and um I feel like if you have the opportunity to be a bud tender and you want to work in cannabis, you should do it. I wish everyone had to do it. Yes. I really yes. wish, but at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, if you do it and you've had that experience, you have so much more knowledge than most people, like for real, about the industry, about the consumer. It's a real, it's just a really valuable job, a really important role in the whole what is legal weed what is modern cannabis and I don't know if people overlook it because I do think now more and more people know the importance of like bud tenders and what they're doing and I do think that the especially back then they were patients Mm -hmm. you know we called them patients we really did Um, and so many of them were, and so many of them would come in and tell you like, this is how I feel. This is this, this is what I need or teach you things even. Um, cause back then I was really young and I didn't know that much. Everyone taught me, you know, it was, it was really cool. And I just like look back on it really fondly. And I'm always really proud when I see someone right. Like she started as a bud tender because I know probably not many other CEOs and people who are running companies have the experience and maybe that's why their companies don't have great products maybe that's why their sales aren't that great there's this idea that these people know what people want but I'm like you never really sold it like that exactly this isn't any other product that you can just step in and be like, oh, well, I did this at Google or Neiman Marcus or wherever the fuck you're coming from. It's like, yes, there's much that you can teach us and that we can adapt, but this knowledge is so valuable. And I will say, don't be giving it out there for free, bud tenders. Like I'll have now multiple marketing agencies reach out to me and schedule time to pick my brain and pay me for it. So that is also a thing like don't underestimate your worth based on your job title is basically what I'm trying to say. Like we have a lot to offer. It is really interesting to see these CEOs kind of drive certain businesses into the ground just because they haven't had any time with the community. I'm I'm so I'm so curious to see what you're about to say to to this um, experience I had recently. So Seth Rogen, who we love. He has his house plant. They come up with this marketing video so that people know how to differentiate Indica Sativa Hybrid just from their packaging. So how they describe it is, you know, on our Indica packaging, we use horizontal lines because Indicas make you tired. Think you're going to want to go to sleep, lay down. Sativa's vertical lines because Sativa's make you upbeat, energetic. Hybrids are diagonal because they're kind of in between. And I get that this is language that we've been using for a really long time, but I do feel like we're at a point now where we could be introducing the concept of terpenes to consumers. I think people are capable of understanding that 
and not necessarily dumbing it down. I think I was expecting more from someone who does smoke weed every day and like, I don't know, is also coming from Canada where I just figured like there was more research going on and maybe like, I guess I was just expecting too much or am I, am I expecting just enough and like companies aren't delivering? And to add to that, I was curious. So I went into the comments and I saw that one guy basically like voice what I just said. His tone wasn't the best. And so a couple people then were attacking him. And so I felt, I just felt like obligated to kind of step in and just be like, listen, I think what he's trying to say is that terpenes drive the effect of the strains and not necessarily its physical attributes and these classifications that they're using in the video. Like that's really it. So it's like, this person's getting attacked because they're demanding more knowledge. And I don't think that's fair. That was a lot to unpack. Sorry. No, I'm ready. Okay, great. I mean, I have a lot to say. <laughs> Buckle up, y'all. The first thing I'm going to say is I personally don't give a fuck about Seth Rogen. <laughs> I think celebrities are tired. And I don't think being famous means you know a goddamn thing about cannabis and I also think being in stoner movies and being a famous stoner actor doesn't mean you've ever done a goddamn thing for cannabis so that's my first opinion of Seth Rogen I'm not a fan just FYI everyone that's why I said buckle in (laughs) secondly though lots of people are and there was like they crashed their website whatever personally i think it's being custodied i think that it's just a cash grab i think that it's kind of the same thing like candescent tried to do like renaming the strains like what the strain is is incredibly important what the terp profile is is incredibly important and also there is something called pharmacological determinism which means that there are people who believe that a drug equates an outcome. So there are people who believe like weed will make you sleepy. Psychedelics will make you have psychosis, whatever. And it's not true. The reason it is not true is because the endocannabinoid system itself is so fucking personalized, people don't understand how personalized it is. You and I may not even have the same amount of CB1 and CB2 receptors. The way that cannabis is affecting all of us is incredibly different. And the most important thing that we need to be doing with consumers, in my opinion, is giving transparency to the strain, the TERP profile, and giving them as much data as possible. We still have tons of missing links in the data, which I know people who are trying to bring all of this together, but it is incredibly sad to me to see people thinking that they can, you know, rebrand and do these sort of marketing things and just like blanket generalize Mm -hmm. these products. It's very lazy to me. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think it's what consumers really want. I do think that every single day the conversation gets more and more real when it comes to the science. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. That's what we're talking about. Like on the way here, I was... Um, talking to a journalist with my chief science officer about Delta 8 Mm. and educating him on the endocannabinoid Mm. system. I mean, Delta 8 is just another minor cannabinoid. It's just that because it's Delta 8 THC, 
people have run wild with it and are selling it at gas stations and selling it incredibly high doses it is psychoactive so people who live in non-legal states are trying to get as close to getting high as they can and using delta 8 but it really is something that was already present in full spectrum products and I think that it's actually illegal to sell it at certain doses because of the farm bill. I think the farm bill is pretty cut and dry. Yeah. This is hemp. This is cannabis. And I think that a lot of people are also mislabeling Delta 8 as Delta 9. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's just all about education. Yeah. You know, that, that I just we just were educating this guy and talking to him and explaining. And it's just that. You can't say this weed makes you sleepy, indica makes you this. There are people whose brains are the opposite. Yes. I have people who work for me and my CBG gummies, which I take as a day, they bring me up. It brings her down. And it is literally because these systems are all so unique. It's like a fingerprint. And the products do not work the same for everyone. There is a general ballpark, sure. That's why we classify the products at Kush Queen by effect. But I just think that, unfortunately, like, this industry's gotten so out of hand and now they're selling people celebrity and all these other things. And that's fine if that's what people want to do. But that's not what I'm here to do. And that's not what I think is important. But I do know I'm also kind of a snob. I'm kind of, like, so deep in it that my opinion isn't the average. General, yeah. And my knowledge isn't the average. And I like to think that if everyone knew what I knew, they would agree with me. But at the same time, it's not about people agreeing with me. It's just about like, this is weed. These are strains. Having a specific strain for people is very important. Having repeat effects is very important. Ultimately, I don't know. I just, I just find the celebrity. I, I'm so judgmental and judgy when it comes to celebrities and weed. I couldn't tell. They get on my nerves so bad. I just find all celebrity culture to be very tired. And there are good celebrities. Like, there are celebrities who do good with their platform. There are people who do good, who really do the work, who really put their fucking money where their mouth is. But the rest of these folks, they just take our money. And we give it to them. And they don't do anything. And I think when you're coming into this kind of industry, and you are the, like, the epitome of the white male stoner. We don't need you here, Seth. I hope you're listening. <laughs> I hope he's listening. Could you imagine <laughs> if he like came for me like in my comments and was like, I heard you fucking drag me through the mud. <laughs> Let's have a battle. Could you imagine Epic. like me versus Seth Rogen? But you know, I hate them all. I, I hate a bunch of people. I hate Vice. Wolfie, my best friend, has the most legendary story. It's probably one of the most badass moments of my whole fucking life, okay? Oh it was at this Miss Grass launch party when they launched at Coachella. It was like a Weed Maps Miss Grass tent thing we're in. Oh and this guy came over with this, like, big fucking camera. And he was like, can I film you? And I was like, who are you with? Yeah. And he was like, Vice. And I was like, no. <laughs> And she was literally like, you're insane. I'm like, I'm not allowing them to profit off this beat, this mug. <laughs> They're not going to pay me. Right. Who knows what I'm going to sign in that stupid release. I don't need you having some random content of me to sexualize or do whatever yeah. you w wish. You know, who knows what I'm signing. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I'm very, 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 I guess, judgy. 
and opinionated and I just I get in lots of trouble for it well not surprisingly I love those things about you I think that's what's always attracted me um to your to your profile and your platform is the fact that I felt like I was seeing an authentic person really not hold back and really just say what was on her mind and I think that's really empowering I think it's really cool to see especially as females in cannabis I think there's this narrative of like women in weed and we're doing the most and yada 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 but it's like really what is happening behind the scenes and again how are you showing up and what are you doing for for women in weed or minorities in weed uh, not a lot so i do want to talk about kush queen because i know you're the opposite of that i'm pretty sure your company is like majority female and queer and it's always been something that you've been very vocal about and unapologetic about as you should so I'm curious to hear what you guys have been doing, what you wish to see from the community moving forward. Well, whenever I worked for other cannabis companies, I frequently begged them to engage in community engagement and really engage in the community, not as a means of marketing, but as a means of truly leading and truly being responsible and showing and building trust with the community that is that is truly done with action and I had a couple clients along the way who really believed and gave us amazing opportunities like marching and pride and being out there as we had signs that were just about cannabis we we sure it had some branding on it but it was really more just about being medical cannabis patients when we did that and when I started Kush Queen and really finally had, you know, a couple nickels in the bank and my own platform, it just didn't make any sense to me why I wouldn't be doing as much good with my brand as humanly possible. And the company is run by women, majority women, and over half of the people at our company identify as queer. It is very, very, very important to honor the shared history of the LGBTQIA plus community and the cannabis community because those men and women brought us here. Mm -hmm. And we sit at the other intersection of cannabis being inherently a social justice issue. Mm -hmm. And every single day, these people sit in jail for the same things that we do. And then on top of it, I've been lucky enough to be mentored and work with people who have served time, who have been incarcerated. And then I have people in my family who have been in incarcerated. And then I have people in my family who are also the police. So I've just had this rich experience that I bring to Kush Queen. And we do, we've done all sorts of things. Like even when I didn't have a lot of money, we did... Uh, we would sell products and then donate the money for breast cancer. We worked with the Beautiful Foundation. We worked with the Operation Beagle Freedom, who stops animal testing on animals. We frequently work with the Social Impact Center. Um, we're going to be doing a training this summer with them that they've put together this program. It's like literally taught by a formerly incarcerated person. I We're working with Asylum Connect this past year. Um, for pride I literally raised all kinds of money for trans lifeline born this way foundation like 
we are always doing stuff. I mean, during COVID, I basically sprang into action and was filling hand sanitizers for hospitals and importing and donating masks. We did all kinds of stuff, you know, like it's not always even publicized. Um, right now we're supporting endo black lauren is an amazing person who's worked with kush queen for years again before i could even donate money and she just put on the first conference for black women with endometriosis so it's really just a constant um facet of our business and it's my favorite part of our business and it's just in my opinion this plan has brought me so much healing this plant has brought my life so much love my plant this plant has brought my life so much and there just comes it comes with the territory and what I don't understand is how the people who run these companies don't understand that right and unfortunately or fortunately I don't know which one you know, this is an industry. It just is now dollars and cents. And there is a certain side of it that people are in this industry not even to build the cannabis industry. They're in this industry to make money, to get profit, to buy and sell companies. Some of these people never even care about anything. And they definitely don't understand and have any experiences with the war on drugs themselves and that is written into the laws it makes it it so a bunch of people who don't actually know about the community who don't actually know about the people who brought us here who don't actually know about the millions of bodies who've paid mm -hmm. and what that ripple effect means you know it's like you talk to some of these people they have never known anyone who's been incarcerated. They do not know the trauma that that inflicts upon a family, a unit. Like, they just don't fucking get it. And it doesn't mean it's right in any way. It's, in, it's not tolerable. Ignorance is not an excuse. Mm -hmm. But I think that is the honest-to-God truth because most of them are white men. 40-plus, 50-plus, most of them come from extreme privilege. And that's something people don't want to talk about. Like, how rich is your father? How much did he fund your business? Right. I know a bunch of them. I know a bunch of them who'd be out of business if they didn't have rich parents. Mm -hmm. And there is nothing wrong if that is your experience. I'm so happy for you. Mm -hmm. It just wasn't mine. And there is something with weed and drugs, the drug industry, as we'll call it, not big pharma, but as we legalize drugs, in the coming years, because that's what's going to happen. We're going to legalize all drugs. Who's that going to go to? Because most people I knew who were selling weed or selling drugs were not doing it because they were criminal in nature. I don't believe people are criminal. I believe that criminality is some sort of response to an issue with government and an issue with the way the society is set up. And I just think it's preposterous that rich people want to sell weed now and that you know people who do finance are running cannabis companies and I guess in my heart I'm an activist a little bit and I never see what my work is activism because I'm a capitalist and I make money and I don't I never saw my social media stuff as activism because well I'm just living my fucking life but the older I get, the more fights I have to fight, the more education I have to do to these institutions, these banks, these uh, politicians, 
just people, the more I think, oh, maybe I am, you know, maybe I am. But I just do what makes me what I believe is right. And that's do good with my company. And I really, really, really hope and urge the industry to step up. I think if not, they'll eventually get canceled. I'm rooting for cancel culture. (laughs) Oh my gosh. See, I told y'all this is going to be some Oprah, Meghan Markle shit. I was not playing. I do think that was all really beautifully said. Maybe things are just swinging so far to the left. And at some point, that novelty is going to come, you know, it's going to go away. And I would assume the real ones will remain and the people who really want to stay in the industry and be a part of this community. Speaking of Kush Queen, where did that come from? Like, just like how? Because how old were you when you started this business? You've gone on to do collaborations with fashion labels like Alice and Olivia. Like, can we get like the roots of this entire empire that you've created for yourself? You know, I just always self-identified as a queen I was in pageants growing up, and I've really always felt some very big queen energy in my life. And whenever I was working at the Green Easy, I think I had like a Facebook page I opened called Kush Queen, and I thought I was going to try to make a movie. I wanted to make it Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, but with weed because it was kind of how it was when I worked there. Like it was a bunch of really cool girls that ran the place, you know? And I thought like, Oh wow. Like we're all, we're all main characters. Mm -hmm. So then whenever I had crystal Colt and I was making vapes, a girl reached out to me. I think she was from Georgia. She was like, Oh, you can get this attachment and you can, vape wax out of it or you can put flour in it will you crystallize it for me if I send it to you and I was like sure and then I was like well I should just sell these Mm -hmm. and I called it Kush Queen so people knew it was for weed because I also sold just the batteries I sold e-cigarette tops Mm -hmm. I sold a bunch of different vape style of vapes at Kush Queen and it was like from the moment I, I typed in those words I shit you not it was like I put it up on the side and then I go do an Instagram post and I'd be like K-U-S-H-Q-U-E-E-N. I press send. My life hasn't been the same ever since. I also put it on t-shirts. And at that time, I had, like, other t-shirts, like, Your Highness. It's 420 somewhere. I had a bunch of, like, weed-themed t-shirts. They were all really cute, pink, you know, different style fonts. Again, trying to make stuff for myself, trying to make stuff for my friends, trying to make something that represented me not to get off, but that's also why it's really important that people get into cannabis and do them. Because even Kush Queen isn't everyone's vibe. There's a million people who don't look like me or talk like me or think like me, and I'm not for them. But you could be for them, and you can create something for them. And that was all I was trying to do, was just create something for my kind of people. And it just, you know slowly but surely came about I mean there was a period where I launched the bath bombs and called them crystal cult and I was selling salves and I was selling a bunch of other stuff on crystal cult and then kush queen the Instagram page kept growing and I was just posting women who smoked there 
And then once my Instagram pages got deleted, I had done a couple festivals. I had done Chalice. I had done Cannabis Cup. And I was just sort of like selling stuff here and there. Maybe I had a couple accounts who carried bath bombs. Nothing major. Definitely wasn't paying my bills. And Crystal Colt just like, I couldn't scale handmade crystal vapes. It was impossible. And then the vapes would break and I would have a lot of customer service issues and stuff. So that business was getting... It needed to change and I didn't want to do it anymore. And that's when it was like 2014, 2015. I was just like having so much trouble on Instagram. I, I, I knew I was going to be deleted. I really did. The YouTube channel, like the reason me and Wolfie stopped making content with the bud was mainly because we were getting so many strikes. I mean, even like as of like last week, we noticed that every single episode of the bud is gone. The podcast. Really? There's only two up. I'm so sorry. Yeah, she was freaking out. I was like, honestly, oh. like I can't freak out about that anymore it'll we'll figure it out or we won't um but that's when I reformulated the bath bombs with my mom and then I basically got on the truck with Soul Distro and then that was like about a year before 64 really happened so I got I really got on the shelves of a lot of dispensaries right before 64 hit and then Soul really helped me stay in the market. And then all at the same time, I was just struggling to try to sell CBD online because I had a social following from all over the country and the world. I just wanted to sell people CBD until I could, you know, one day sell them my cannabis yeah. and really just like I've always just like loved making the content. The content is really just like a therapeutic exercise for me and my love of of cannabis and I just always thought like making great content making great products it's still a part of changing the way people think about it and then as the brand grew we got one warehouse we got two warehouses we had three warehouses by a certain point in 2017 um, the publicist for Bella Cures the nail salon chain reached out to me she said will you give me enough product for 300 services? I want to pitch this to the media, call it the Canicure. Because they would always do these like very, you know, trendy mani-pedis. They did like a crystals one. They did one where they used sand and you were at the beach, you know. These very experiential things for the media and it would get the nail salon a lot of press. So it was really just supposed to be like this thing. And then it went viral. And every single like publication was writing about it and it became like a best-selling service in this nail salon which has been around in LA forever and on top of it they still offer it to this day like Push Queen and Bella Cures have now been exclusive partners since the beginning at one point the Canicure kit I even sold it had their name on it and everything like we had a whole DIY version for people at home and but it's it's still going and it was really just supposed to be this thing and then um in 2019 the beginning of 2019 is when Alice and Olivia reached out and it was really crazy because it wasn't like it wasn't like this thing where we chased them or anything they just hit me up on LinkedIn that's insane like that is the truth like that is the truth and they had Stacy had said, like, I want to make CBD products. She'd used a bunch of CBD brands, including ours. They presented her a bunch of brands. And she said the only brand that aligns with the Alice and Olivia world 
is Kush Queen and Olivia is an Alice and Olivia girl. Yes. And I was just like, my God. And I mean, somewhere in there was when we got into Urban Outfitters and started getting in all of these like mainstream retailers. And then the e-commerce business started to grow. And then, I mean, the whole time I've been getting shut down by the banks and getting my merchant processing shut down, like... It's actually like an incredible shit show behind the scenes that people probably couldn't even imagine. I mean, I have an amazing fucking team and they're everyone's been through so much. And like some of these people have been with me since the beginning. Like my production manager was my first employee that I hired out of my garage. Wow. He will be with the company as long as I'm with the company, as long as the company's around. My shipping manager had stories I used to come in with, like, my backpack full of cash. And he'd hear me run the cash counter. But, you know, he has funny <laughs> stories. Um, you know, my mom, I mean, technically my mom was my first employee. She left her job at Target for, like, 10 plus years and just, like, stopped going. I mean, she gave him her two weeks. And then she just, like, stopped going to work. And then a few weeks later, my dad's like, did your mom quit her job? And I'm like, yeah, she works for Crystal Colton now. Bye. <laughs> Um, it's, it's also another part of the Kush Queen story and journey, which is that we're a family business and we're still doing it mainly independently. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not to say that I, you know, along the way, haven't gotten help. I have, but I haven't done any like traditional raise or anything like that. I mean, yet, like I'm going to get the bag, but at the same time, like, I wanted to do what I think is the way to build a cannabis company, which is to build the foundation first, mm-hmm. build the heat, build, you know, it's like people get mad at us all the time in the compliant market because they're like, what can we do to keep Kush Queen in stock? And I'm like, it's hand motherfucking made by people. <laughs> it's a panini. Motherfuckers got COVID. What do you want me to do? You can't just find people off the street and have them make bath bombs. You think I don't want my product in stock all the time? Yeah. (laughs) It's made by hand. You can only make so many at a time. And then with the compliance, trying to make it child resistant, the packaging of it takes a minute to make it, you know, from start to finish. And then, you know, we've expanded the product line now. The gummies, our gummies on online or we sell a ton of those and I love them it's a huge part of our business and we really just keep growing and evolving and bringing forth new technology and um you know it's just been quite a journey and I just love the products and I really use them all the time I really use them for my bipolar disorder I really use them in my life everybody at the company uses the products and I think it really makes a huge difference Mm -hmm. and we have a great culture like it's really a good place to work I always get nervous when we bring new people in because it's like we have such a good thing you know it's like are you gonna fit in this family truly some not everybody does Mm -hmm. you know it's just part of it but we have such a hard-working group of people who love what they do and I just like can't fucking believe it sometimes because I don't slow down you know it's like when you slow down and you think like holy shit I fucking did it and it it just it's gonna keep being a thing and that's that's my biggest hope for it is like a lot of people are here 
to get in to sell their company get out i want this to mean something Mm -hmm. in 20 years i don't know how many other people in this industry have that in their heart there are people don't get me wrong there are people in this shit with their whole heart but there is just a lot of people who are not they're not here for the right reasons they're not good people that's my problem with celebrities. That's my problem with influencers. That's my problem with the way the world's going. We got to stop making terrible people successful. But terrible people become successful because that's what it takes sometimes. And it's a hard fact of all of this. But I really, I love my brand. I love my products. I, every single day I run this company, I'm so grateful to the people who support it and I really can't believe half the shit that I've done and I'm sure I know we're just getting started I think of my my brand like five years old yeah my brand is five years old so I think of it like it just is going to kindergarten so I'm like just fucking wait yeah <laughs> I don't know what's gonna happen but it's gonna be good you know yeah. I don't know what I'm gonna do but I'm gonna do some shit and then of course like Knowing I was running Kush Queen when it was in Prop 215, and I got that, you know, I got to be out at the festivals, I got to sell yeah. weed like that, I got to experience that place and time and history. So sacred. Fucking magic. Yeah. Who knew we'd call it the good old days? Ah, stop. I know. But it was. And now we have this other thing, and I'm sure, you know, I had this moment the other day where I was like, hmm, I bet... When this shit goes federal, it's going to be so crazy. Like, if we think there are monsters here in California, we're not even – You don't. we don't even know because when it opens up to the whole country, like, there's, like, these, like, this whole other class of people who are, like, probably billionaire billionaires who haven't even gotten in because it's not big enough for them yet. Wow. You know? Yeah. And then when it goes federal, it's going to be crazy. And it's, like, interesting because, like, Kush Queen has now started to, like – we sell products in South Africa. Whoa. With a company called Alt Beauty. Yeah. This doctor, Dr. Canaris, she's like an aesthetics doctor. She's like amazing. And she has pioneered all of these other treatments there in South Africa. And she's pioneering CBD. Like it's very exciting for me because I see it kind of like happening all over again for, for them. And that is also what's so fun. It's for these people, this is their fall in love with cannabis. Mm-hmm. They don't know it. Yeah. They call it CBD. Yeah. It is a gateway. I don't deny it. You're so funny. Um, Wow. That was amazing. I mean, really, what a wild journey. I I feel your your passion. I see it in your eyes. And it's like, A, Kush Queen is such an easy brand to support, in my opinion, for everything that you've just said and who you are. And I know myself, Danny, the girl is like, we love the product. I have the best ideas when I sit in the bath and I sit with your Kush Queen bath bomb. No joke. Like literally I just sit there and I think it's a beautiful experience. Girl, when you have access to the whole country and you've been doing this now for five years, which in cannabis industry is like eons, just wait until they're able to introduce your product into their lifestyle because it is going to be really great self-care I mean another buzzword that like everybody's about there's just so much that I could dive into we, we could go into mental health and cannabis if you're interested I have I have something to say yeah what do you got well because you said like self-care is a buzzword 
right. and you're totally right and i do think that it's contributed to this like story we have and the success we've had is that we rode a number of trends at the same time uh-huh. cbd and cannabis but here's the thing because i feel like i know where you're going with this and it's like you actually live the self-care and what i've experienced as as someone who's followed you for years now okay so not to get like personal or whatever or weird because technically we just met but as someone who's watched you and myself who has been on a spiritual journey and we've been through a lot of shit like I can tell by the dis- like conversations we've had thus far, we've kind of been in these like parallel life. And you also understand that self-care is the really ugly shadow work. So I just want to make that clear that I know that you know it's more than, it's all of it. It's, uh, it encompasses all of it. The good, the bad, the bath bombs, the crying in the bathtub as well. Well, you read my mind a little bit. <laughs> You did. Because it will because people I think like people will be like, oh, well, she she read she read the trend of self-care bath bombs were a thing because of social media. But I think behind every single one of those things is something that's like really honest and truthful. Like for me, self-care is a really like a serious job for me and a part of my wellness and a part of literally how I manage my disorder and I cope with life yeah and it's so much more than just a bath bomb or some products because it's my ritual and it's like very personal and I think that self-care the word unfortunately because it got so trendy Mm -hmm. kind of minimizes that lifestyle and it really is very personal very intimate and very important And I think over time, we'll figure out how to prove it with science because that's what I'm really interested in long term because it does feel like a form of medicine. The ritual bath taking, daily cannabinoid intake, Mm -hmm. um, because that's also part of it for me. It's, It's not, you know, I get so many people who come to CBD or cannabis when they're already sick or when they already feel bad or when they're already like in a really, really, really dark place. And for me, I think cannabinoids are like vitamins and taking them every single day is really where you see the difference, especially in the mood disorders. Not all. Again, not everything is for everybody. But for some people. And I think that you're right. I think that for me, it is much more than just taking baths. And it's about, I do personal development work. I really, I'm a very open advocate for therapy and shadow work and inner child work. And it gets fucking ugly and it has to, you know? And it's also like all the things like, being diagnosed bipolar and having people in my family who carry really serious diagnosis and having it in the blood, you know, it's not, this is not our first go at mental illness in my bloodline. And I'm not saying like, oh, we have it down because you can't, some of these disorders, you don't have it down. But I think that, you know, I really have a great understanding of it. And I think that's also, it is like, 
a lot of people don't become well enough to share their story, to advocate for other people, to talk about the woes of the system because it's broken, that never really worked, to talk about, you know, pharmaceuticals. I can talk about pharmaceuticals because I was on them for seven years, you know, even with cannabis. Um, I've also tried sobriety. You know, there's a period in my life where I thought that if I didn't use weed and if I didn't use alcohol and if I didn't use anything, I would get better. But you get worse. You get worse. And that's when you really get a diagnosis, which is good. But at the same time, I think when I integrated cannabis back into my life, I really, I did stay on pharmaceuticals for so long because I use cannabis. Because it was helping a lot of the side effects. Um, And I think that cannabis for me, and also that's when I really like formulated the Kush Queen products, like was when I was like weaning off pharmaceuticals. Like I went from taking pharmaceuticals for seven years to not within six months. And I used so much cannabis. And then I was just like using cannabis and I was like doing my thing. And then when my mom got her brain tumor and then my when Kush Queen got in Urban Outfitters, it was the same week. Wow. So I was a wreck. And that's when I got working with my life coach who has just like changed my whole life and given me such just so much, so many skills. It's just like I'm learning skills, coping skills, skills, how to communicate. I didn't know how to be confrontational in a healthy way I did not know that was possible I thought that the only way to be was to tell someone the fuck off I swear I didn't know you know we only know what we know we only know what we're taught if your parents don't have great skills when it comes to confrontation you're not gonna either yeah or communication in general and also with the business you know it's like this whole world going on and it's like this thing you know and even though it was my dream it can still hurt her. You know, it can still hurt my little girl. It can still hurt. Even though it's not personal, it's just a business. It hurts. You know, having my banking shut down, having my money held is a constant. You know, and you have to make your payroll and you have to pay your bills and these people hold on to your money all the time or shut you down. Just boom, shut you down. And I went through it so many times. I mean, also just like carrying around cash, like the anxiety of that. You know, my my mental health was just low. Success was high. Press was everywhere. Things were outwardly good, but I was just really struggling. And when I started doing the work, you know, like it just was incredible. And then when I integrated psychedelics into it, you know, mainly microdosing, not really large journeys. I'm not out there doing ayahuasca. Like, I'm not, I'm just not, you know, like, I'm not some fucking pro, but really like getting in the microdosing and then microdosing with LSD, having like, then when my business got hit by COVID, I was getting depressed again, you know, and it's just like some people just aren't good at how hard it can be but I'm a fighter I'm gonna keep fighting and to have the microdosing to just like help me give me that push be another tool and then I have a treadmill basically like in my house and I get on it like I, I like will be on my computer and I'll be doing my doom scrolling and stuff but I'm on the treadmill you know I'm trying to 
keep up with the exercise, keep up with nature and like all of these things. I like poor painting, doing like therapeutic activities, you know, because it's just like it all matters and the self-care and, you know, regularly meeting with my coach and doing meditation. Am I perfect at any of it? Fuck no. It all makes a difference journaling it and being like your own advocate, you know, like for yourself. It's easy to let to literally steamroll yourself mm-hmm. because of capitalism, mm-hmm. because of the demands of the world, because of your family, because of there are literally a million reasons. And we are not taught how to take care of ourselves mm-hmm. like it's crazy. So I don't know. I got off there. No. <laughs> I'm just like, what was the question? <laughs> ah, no, I love where you went because honestly, like I'm a huge advocate for therapy. I've talked about it on the show before. I think it's so important. The world would literally be a different place if everyone was in therapy and everyone was doing this difficult work. Like, no, it fucking sucks. Do you think I'm going to have breakdowns on my couch by myself at night crying hysterically? But like they really are breakthroughs. Like you have to look at it that way. And a lot of it is perspective and how we like handle these situations. And it's just, it's true what you're saying about the psychedelics. Like last summer, I started microdosing. I started introducing uh, maybe like 0.25, 0.5 of psilocybin into my diet, my lifestyle. And what a difference, especially during that time when we had all the protests and COVID was at its highest and it was just like the highest anxiety. Like I've never been clinically diagnosed with anything. However, getting to know myself and knowing my my family's history, I, I would say I do have certain, yeah, addictive personality, like characteristics, definitely control issues. And I would say a teeny bit of OCD, which I figured out actually watching, if you remember MTV True Life, they had MTV True Life, I Have OCD. And it was through watching the fucking episode that I was like, oh shit, I do some of these things. Like that's interesting because it's, it was just never a conversation when we were growing up. I'm so happy that this is a conversation now and that people are more open to talking about it. That's also partly why I really love the podcast is because I think through storytelling is where we actually connect as the human race. Like, it really is a gift. Um, So I just appreciate you sharing and being candid about that because I know, you know, it's personal. It's personal stuff. Anyhow, I'm curious if you have any specific advice to those who do want to get into the cannabis industry. My biggest advice is just to go for it. You know, you got to find an entry point and you just got to get in. I mean, I think you just have to figure out what you're good at and try to try to just jump in there. I mean, you just for me, that's that's why I'm here. I didn't consider not not being in the industry I just was like oh I have to figure it out I also think that getting involved in the activism side getting involved with the issues whether it be at a local level or at a state level or at a federal level it's it's a part of the space people aren't like flocking to Mm -hmm. and I think that there's a lot of 
there's a lot there. And then I just think that people need to use what they have. You know, I use social media. There's tons of, you know, tons of the community is online um, with Clubhouse and all of these, you know, apps and stuff. You can really connect with people and then just show up, you know, like there were, uh, there was a period when I was doing more of the creative work, the marketing work with my agency and influencing, like I just would go to the shows and just like go up to people and talk to them and tell them like, this is my page. And I really, I could get Instagram page back, you know, back in the day, I would say that's people, I would just sell myself. You just got to grab a chair and pull up yourself up to the table. Mm -hmm. Like you just have to do it. It's, um, I guess it's easier for some people than others just because of like proximity, you know, like living in LA, like we're just like in it. Like it's just, it's like the entertainment industry and the cannabis industry now. Yeah. That's all that's in LA. Literally. Maybe there's a small area of, you know, tech industry over in Venice and right. Silicon beach or whatever they call it. Um, but, and then in, you know, orange County and stuff now with mm-hmm. the tech industry, there is, there's a lot going on, but it's, we have proximity here. So but it's happening everywhere, you know, and if it's not happening, there's your opportunity. Yeah. Go write a letter. Go talk to your senator. Go talk to the city council. Go and see what they think about cannabis because it, if you can start it, you know, like if you can help change the, the rules, like that's what we need right now. We need yeah. people out there who are like, let me do this. Um, and then we need people who are who are doing all the all the things, you know. I think that the industry is still really small. I think it's only 8% women at a CEO stakeholder level. That's really low. And I think that we need more influencers, more creatives. We need more cool brands. We need the cannabis industry to be as diverse as the people who use it, and it's not. So until then, come one, come all. Bring your magic magical unicorn energy i mean that's kind of what i did like i don't compete with like all these big ass brands yeah. i'm in this whole other little space you know mm-hmm. and it's not to say other people don't make bath bombs and stuff there's tons of people who do but you know people love to support kush queen because it's unique and it's this this special thing and i think that people just have to do them mm-hmm. i mean it's so annoying and vague but you have to it's just you already know what you need to be successful and you already know you already have everything inside of you to make it in this industry. You just have to go for it. And if it's not happening where you live, that is your call. Go. Easier said than done. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You guys go handle that. Um, No, I think that's lovely advice. I think that's amazing. We we have to encourage people to go down to City Hall and and make those changes for themselves. So we'll move into the re-up. So basically, it's going to be rapid fire questions. Woo! And yeah, it's just all to do like with weed. So you got this. Favorite books or podcasts on cannabis? I'm biased, but Wolfie's Chronic Relief. Sarah Weinshank, Princess Shank. She's also a favorite, you know, and a friend of mine. I'm biased. Favorite word for cannabis? Cannabis. Oh, I'm excited to hear what this might be. The dopest smoke session you've ever had? I mean, I hold the festivals specifically like Chalice Festival, I think 2017, 2016. 
I had all my friends there. Kush Queen had a booth. There was like a weed fog tent. It was one of the last years of a special time. And those events to me were like the ultimate sessions. And I just miss it so much. Have you smoked with anyone cool or famous? I feel like you must have. I I have. The craziest sesh, I once smoked a blunt with Suge Knight. What? Yes. I can't tell the story. One day we'll have to find my friend Raquel and record her with the story. Because if I told it, it would sound like a lie. But yes. I forgot. That is the craziest. I mean, actually, I've smoked weed with a ton of famous people. What am I talking about? <laughs> Who cares? No one cares. You no think people cares. care? I honestly do think people care. I think it's just a part of celebrity culture. I know how we feel about it, but okay. I mean, for shits and gigs, why not? I've smoked a lot of weed with Bruno Mars because he was my friend. <laughs> I was dear friends with Naya Rivera, rest in peace, and me and her definitely were huge stoners a lot of celebrities by kush queen and it feels like i'm seshing with them because they like legit order from the site i don't seek them out like they like buy stuff and then i'm like what the fuck or they call because like you know there's always some fucking caveat with the celebrity they're always in some random fucking place some other person is always ordering it but like lady gaga the emails are at house of gaga they called they're like it needs to go to this villa when she's doing enigma like those baths those viral baths or kush queen baths ordered from the site also spends a crazy amount of money the kardashians chris jenner and kylie love the bath bombs and of course like the assistant orders and stuff it's a whole fucking thing every time because they're always in these random places um and then india moore i love her she loves the lube and just like or i'm like what the hell these people there's always random people amazing i mean really what a life and i'm a little hesitant to ask you this question but we're gonna end it with this one favorite stoner movie of all time This is really hard. Hold on. (laughs) Hold on. I can't be doing rapid fire. Friday. It kind of ages me, but what's like a Gen Z stoner movie? Ah, Ew, I don't know. No, but I need to know one because I'm trying to parade as Gen Zer. I'm not one to tell you. I don't know. I'm like, well, apparently, apparently the middle part. Yeah, I don't know if you noticed, but I'm trying to do a middle part. Um, yeah, I don't know what's going on. Persona. I'm like assuming a Gen Z identity. I'm like, what is the Gen Z thing? And then I'll just say that. No, I'm, Um, I'm old. Just for shits and giggle, any cannabis companies out there aside from your own that you enjoy oh yeah i go to the dispensary all the time like i buy weed all the time still other people's weed and also now that i'm a psychedelic influencer on tiktok i get everybody's shrooms i could never take all the psychedelics i've been given um but for weed 710 labs is amazing everything they do i fuck with I always love Northern Emeralds, and they were a client of mine, though, so I'm biased, but I always hold them in my heart. Canatique has Fire Flower. Um, I like Loaded, the glass tip 
the roll is insane because i i really like um pre-rolls like i'm lazy as shit and i just like love a fucking pre-roll so i like um for those cannabiotics has like a bunch of different strains and they're always really fresh and good always 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 alien labs connected for life their stuff is just insane again very biased because i worked i worked for them and i've known them forever um edibles i do buy smokies gummies i do like a couple washington brands believe it or not like i've been going up there a lot because i'm gonna probably launch kush queen up there and they have like some interesting product not anything too fire but also i'm really just a huge fan of rosin like rosin in general like especially in edibles like over distillate i'm still always like getting in there on it um because i love i just love it you know especially flour pre-rolls edibles i don't really vape like carts i i will if i travel and i'll get like an alien labs or a connected pen maybe um but i'm just like not a huge fan of of vapes it's like so interesting but just not for me yeah no I would agree I'm not I've never been a fan um even when I was bed tending I it was just like iffy to me it was weird to me when I would have older patients come and they would be like oh well my doctor said I should be vaping and this and that and I'm like your doctor doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about in this case because we actually like don't really have that much research on vaping and what it does like we know people have been smoking weed flour for centuries and then we also have edibles if you don't want to smoke which is just i don't know it just seems safer we are going to move into our last segment which is call your plug and that's basically your moment to plug anything that you want anything that you're working on maybe uh your social media um well i do want to say that it's about to be 420 at kush queen and we're gonna have like the craziest sales the craziest deals new product drops so get on our mailing list and that's at kushqueen.shop i'm the live alexander on tiktok on ig um and then we're at kushqueen shop on ig and also kushqueen co because you know you gotta have that backup page because you know you'll get deleted um but yeah thank you for having me it was really fun yeah yeah that always means the most to me when people when we're done and they're like that was fun i'm like oh thank god um thank you so much for coming out here i i'm so excited for everyone to listen to this it was really really awesome that's the show thank you for listening to another episode of that bud tender podcast follow me at the stone journalist follow the show at that bud tender podcast like share subscribe and keep getting high my babies 